and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. This year, we are tackling 2019, and tonight, we are tackling a movie that may disturb you, that may cause you to question what you really believe and who you really are, and honestly, who really is the bad guy? And... Might it be society? And are we taking care of people with mental illness? And what about men? And what about white men? Right? Of course, we're tackling Joker. Not the Joker. Just Joker. Uh, I guess this is a this is based on a character that already existed. Uh, joining me are my best friends, Ryan and Mike. Have you guys, are you familiar with this? That this was a pre-existing character? I have, uh, I don't want to brag, okay? I'm not like a cowboy or anything. Uh-huh. But I've shuffled a deck of cards or two i know exactly where this guy is from this guy is based on two of the cards in a deck of cards that aren't the 52 that you would normally play with yes okay well you don't want to play with these cards you want that deck to be a few cards short of a full house right (laughs) but you're you both are telling me you don't know the clown prince of crime oh is this the spider-man guy just that term the Clown Prince of Crime makes this movie seem crazy. Like, where <laughs> it was that in any of this? <laughs> um, so the first thing I want to talk about in terms of this movie is what, how we have felt about it. Because I don't, we have been like not looking forward to movies before. But would you agree this is the movie that we had the most like prejudged? We absolutely hate you of any movie. Do you, for the show, this show or just in our lives? For, let's let's <laughs> say for this show. Let's yeah, start with the show. Yeah, I was curious, specifically the two of you. It's not your fault we had to do this, but as I hit play, I was mad at you. Oh, you're <laughs> mad at uh, the two white people who are part of society. Uh, yep. That's that. So you're you're the Joker then, basically. Yeah. Sorry, you Ryan. You get what I, you fucking deserve. I'm sorry, Ryan. I couldn't hear what you were saying there because as a white man, uh-huh. I don't listen to anything you're saying. <laughs> All right. I, society is deaf to to what you want to talk about. Um. Yeah, before, I mean, I saw this movie with Mike, and then Mike and I did a segment on uh, the Superhero Show Show, so we, like, uh, I know what Mike thinks about this, which is going to make a very boring show for me. But at least uh, that 10 minutes is now an hour and a half. Nobody (laughs) seems concerned about what makes me bored. And then I couldn't, be, I couldn't be less could. concerned. But Greg, you're the you're the one who you watched this for the first time. Um, did it live up to all of your expectations? I, I don't know. Like you didn't want to watch it and it seemed for all the right reasons. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I do have to say I felt like I knew what this movie was going to talk about. And then when it started, I felt like, oh, OK, it's maybe a little maybe it's actually a little more complicated than I thought. And then by the time it ended, I was like, oh, no, no, it was like I prejudged this movie quite correctly. Like I, I it really did end up coming back around. And we're going to talk about what this movie is ultimately about and, you know, in a few different ways. But I felt like my preconceived notions about what the point of this movie was going to be ultimately were like totally <laughs> what this movie turned out to be about. Did it make you think that like I, you know, I'm the host of Moody and uh, I will be here and I'll do a good job hosting. But watching the movie, why? Why, why would I need to do that? I know what the movie's going to be right. like from now on. You never have to watch any of these uh-huh. movies again. You know, <laughs> I don't hate that I have seen it. I'd never looked forward to watching it actually watching it was like whatever 
but I'm not like, oh, I can't believe it. That was so terrible. It was just like, the way I guess I've always kind of felt about this movie is I just don't care. Uh-huh. Like, it's not even, it doesn't rise to, to real hatred, and I, I guess. It's actually. That is the way to be. I think th- I've been told I overreacted against it. Like, my wife watched it with me, and she was like, I thought it was going to be so much worse. I was like, yeah, that's, it's, it's just aggressively boring. That's its <laughs> biggest flaw. It's, it's bad in its mediocrity. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's it's got a deep well of of mediocrity, and we're gonna tackle <laughs> how how deep into that well it really gets. Of course, people who are listening to this show, most likely you listen to it every single week, and you build your whole life around it. But on the offhand chance that there's a new person who hasn't heard our show before, I just want to point out this is a competition. Uh, I have my two best friends here, Ryan and Mike. But who will be my number one best friend right now? Currently, Ryan, if I'm correct, it's you. Yeah, and the people who say that they have multiple best friends are fucking liars. You know, yeah. like you have to choose. Greg, you yeah, have a, a you have side. a nice easy way to choose. Other yeah. people out there don't have what you, like this platform that you have, but don't have multiple best friends. You're insulting everyone. No. Do you think the fact that I just showed up in a maroon suit with makeup dripping off is does that scare you to let me win or to not let me win? Yeah. Man, I just look at you and I'm like, he's capable of anything. And it makes me question, like, what is good? What is bad? But, you know, what I is appreciate, chaos? I appreciate the commitment, but it's not even Joker makeup. It's full on, like, uh, Tammy Faye Baker makeup. Like, why did you choose that route? <laughs> That's who I look up to. <laughs> that is a pretty good Tammy Faye Baker, <laughs> I have to say. Not enough but Tammy yeah, you re- Faye Baker talk these days. <laughs> the you Tay-Fay really Bay? caked it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah there it is. well so i'm gonna pit you guys off against each other and i'm gonna be scoring you and when this is all said and done we may have a new king of the mountain we may have a new best friend with all the privileges that entails but we didn't come together you guys to talk about little old me we came to talk about joker and we will in just one sound effect before the movie came out And just after, there was a lot of concern and pearl clutching that the film would embolden incels to rise up in all their gross insaneliness. Does the film truly stay on the side of mass shooters and toxic men? Or was the concern taking the movie out of context? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple things there. Um, Does it stay on their side? I think so. I think it does. Will it convince anyone to go mass shoot? I'm not sure about that. I I grew up in the era of uh, heavy metal and then hip hop uh, convince all normal sane people to like commit violent mm-hmm. crimes all mm-hmm. by the movies uh, Grand Theft Auto like these are the things that Marilyn turn, Manson Marilyn Manson turn D&D. people uh, turn people into violent criminals and I don't want to then you know get older and then become a hypocrite I don't think that this is going to be responsible for any mass shootings but. I do think it makes a lot of bad people feel better. Yeah. yeah. You know? And well, I think... Th- yeah, yes. I think that's the... People who are already... Stu- and growing up, somebody who is stupidly into the Joker, I will embarrass myself yet again and reveal that I do have a Harley Quinn tattoo on my leg. Mm-hmm. Like, Very uh, brave of you. But I, but think- I am going to have to give Ryan a point. <laughs> For my past life choices? <laughs> For your terrible <laughs> tattoo choices. Uh, it was really well done. She looks great. It's Paul Dini style. Uh, I have a, uh, just to be fair, I have a Harley Quinn Smith tattoo. Uh, I have Kevin Smith's daughter tattoo on my legs. That is worse. That's, yeah, that's bad, man. You're a bad man. <laughs> uh, anybody who was grossly into the Joker anyway and was on this path, this isn't going to, like, they'd already be there. Like, this isn't winning anybody over to the Joker because the Joker, 
both in why he is a long lasted character and in the the world where he does inspire people it's charisma and there's not a fucking ounce of that in here so i do think the pro clutching was over <laughs> over it's ca- it's charisma and it's mystery Mm-hmm. And that's all gone. Um, it's uh, you know, it's like suspense. It's like not knowing what's going to happen next with him. That was sort uh-huh. of his whole thing, you know, like uh, that whole Coen Brothers agent of chaos that we've been talking about recently. That's what the Joker was. And so I think that you could be a fan of any previous Joker and or just the Joker in general uh, up until this movie and not be a psychopath, you know. Yes. But this one like purposefully brings out those people who say this movie is great and if you disagree with me i'm going to tweet very very nasty things at you and those uh-huh. mo- those movies always like raise a red flag well and one it is for this just tweets i think the the why i i do think the movie stays on the side of the incel the whole time but why i think the pearl clutching was too much was people were like well that guy called himself the joker and shot the dark knight this is also loosely rated to batman this might make people shoot people and i think that's fucking <laughs> stupid yeah i mean yeah i do i really i agree with what ryan said which is that it's not gonna it's not that it's going to incite acts of violence necessarily because y- yeah we have to i think to be consistent, we have to say we don't necessarily believe that as like big Quentin Tarantino fans and mm-hmm. fans of other hyper violent uh, stuff. But it does like celebrate a lifestyle and kind of nurture these people who feel like they are owed so much and given so little. Right. And I I feel like, you know, how bad is that? How bad is it for to to put that, you know, that sort of comfort into these people's minds? And it is especially because like I watching it a second time, I... The first time I was like, oh, Todd Phillips really does just side with the incels. I don't think he does here, but I don't think people who could get a message are watching it nuances because the last thing Joker says before he shoots Robert De Niro is you get what you fucking deserve. But that's what Thomas <laughs> Wayne has said the whole movie. So it does yeah. feel like the movie's almost saying like, nobody should just say you get what you deserve and hurt other people, but it's saying uh-huh. it in such a bad way. It's not nuanced. And it's yeah. also the coolest Joaquin Phoenix does look the whole movie is right before he does that. So it's it's kind of like Tyler Durden theory where like people are going to lose if you had a message, people are going to lose it cuz this guy looks good in a suit. It, uh-huh. I was reminded of Fight Club. Our first movie that we ever reviewed <laughs> oh, was Fight Club. True. And I was reminded of it the entire time because we were pretty harsh on it and I don't think we talked enough about in the, in our episode um where the satire was supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And basically we said that the satire missed. Um, I don't know, like, how true that is. But with th- with this movie, there it, there isn't any, you know? There is no satire. So I think maybe he thinks he is doing it. But what happens is that everybody is the same. Like Mike said, Joker has the same message as Thomas Wayne, as uh, the media, as everybody. But... Uh, there's nothing to like learn at the end, and it still right, yeah. just focuses on Joker being the good guy, not the protagonist, like literally the person that we're supposed to root for. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah the, 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 the one of the final scenes of him on the car while people just cheer for him. Uh, uh-huh. Even though what they were all riding when that happened, so how do they know it happened? That's not what we're here to talk about. Not the illogic of the movie. Well, the no, but I think we kind of are here to talk about the illogic of the movie because. I think that there are a lot of people who question that what happens in this movie and like what is supposed to be quote real Mm -hmm. and what is supposed to be unreal. Is that scene where he's standing on top of the car? Is that something that really happens? Do we have any way of knowing? No. And that's my, 
I, I think movies like Memento, where you're like, oh man, it cha- the beginning was different from the end, and now I have to rethink about it. That is one thing. But to Fight Club in this way, where you think Zazie Beetz is oddly attracted to him because it's bad writing and it would never uh-huh. happen, uh, and then you find out it never happened, but there was no sign there. So what is happening? And not in a, ooh, let me rethink about that movie again. There's no clues in this movie of what's real or what isn't real. So it's all fucking stupid. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, I mean, the other one is the top, the spinning top at the end of right. Inception. And do you know who directed Memento in Inception? Chrissy Chris No-No? The guy who, the last guy to make Joker compelling, you know? So oh. it, like, it's an endless list of uh, like us watching um, what's it, Todd Phillips's letterboxed list of <laughs> movies that he has seen before, you know? Uh-huh. And that's sort of all it amounts to. The, him getting up on the car is so illogical with, in, in everything. Like, nobody knows what he actually looks like. There's no reason for them yeah. to be like, oh, this is, this is the cult leader. This is our Jesus. That and it perfectly mirrors the stand-up comedy scene where he right. feels like he's killing it when he's not. That it must be a dream or in his imagination, but if it's in his Im- imagination, that's fucking stupid for a whole different sort of reason. Yeah. You know? So in his imagination, he's passed out in a cop car and people lift him up. Like he is a leader who needs to be pushed to be a leader. And you could that could be really interesting. A cult leader who doesn't really want to be a cult leader, he kind of fumbles his way in. Uh-huh. That could be a fascinating Joker movie. Yeah, hell yeah. But this dude. movie doesn't follow that strain at all. It's just like, and now he's is. <laughs> so- <laughs> and then, you know, we go from that, like, real dreamy, unusual feeling scene where he's on top of the cop car directly into, like, the, you know, Arkham Asylum mm-hmm. and or wherever that is. And then he laughs, you know, oh, you wouldn't get it. So are we supposed to take it that he was imagining that? Is he imagining everything he did as the Joker? Like, I mean, just the thing of, oh, you wouldn't get it, is talking to people who have complaints about the movie and uh-huh. saying, yeah. you know, like that's it's, it's wearing it on its sleeve and saying, if you say anything about it, oh, you wouldn't get it. You're not smart enough. And that's yeah. it, it gives the it gives the people who will defend this movie no matter what something to say. And that's bullshit. That's that's fucking cheating. And even, uh-huh. so even if you're going with that late 90s smarmy film guy asshole persona for the movie, and because we get an earlier scene of him in the Arkham Asylum, it's like, oh, what if he never left? But then he walks out and has bloody footprints. So you're like, so what isn't real? And fuck you. It just ends in fuck you, Todd Phillips. Yeah. I mean, he clearly at the end, he's supposed to have killed that the or did psychologist. <laughs> I, I really do feel like when you get to the end of a movie and you don't know what is real or isn't real, that doesn't feel like, wow, that's amazing filmmaking. It feels like, wow, you copped out like as hard as you possibly could so that you could never be accused of saying anything. Or you can watch it a second time. It's supposed to like make you want to watch it a second time as opposed to uh, how me and Mike spent our week, which was just like, fuck, fuck. Are you serious? Do I, do I seriously have to fucking do this? And then you watch it again, and instead of the second time opening new things where you like understand everything the director's doing. Uh, I guess you do understand. You understand that it's just cheating and like really poorly like tied together things that are just there because he saw another filmmaker do it. (laughs) I, okay. I felt like this movie was going to contain a bunch of references to a bunch of different Joker stuff. In the end, it felt like it only contained references to the dark Knight. 
do you guys agree with that that this movie like seems to mostly be in conversation with our last version of well our second our second to last version greg let us never forget don't forget our generation's damaged joker yeah man i i guess i almost fully do every time i think of it i think of like various jokers i always come to him and i'm like oh yeah i nearly forgot that one there was a movie that came out this year that tried to get us to do that like birds of prey (laughs) was like please forget that last joker <laughs> but did it see like the mask, like Joker's whole face mm-hmm. and the mask that people wear? That that's like the actual mask from the first scene right. of Dark Knight, right? Um, yeah, that mask is. I mean, his makeup is a little different. I, I will say that this is. It's hard to find good things to say about this movie. I think his look is fucking awesome. His suit and his makeup look sweet. I uh-huh. just wish there was a movie that backed up that look. <laughs> and go back, go, go back to the mask. There was a almost like. Peter Parker-esque, I'm going to put my costume in the trash can and walk away shot where uh, getting off the subway, uh-huh. Arthur Fleck puts that puts the mask that like yeah. allowed him to escape in a trash can. And we hold there for a solid nine or 12 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I tried so hard to think of like, what, he, what is he force feeding us right now? And all like all it could come to is that hey, doesn't that look like uh, the one from the beginning of the Dark Knight? Yeah, like, yeah. that's just sort of all it had. But we'd seen it a bunch of times before yeah, that. We, we so, know, like, no, we, we know. got it at this point, man. Yeah, yeah, because he takes off the mask and has on the makeup and continues to go do his plan. So it's not like Peter Parker. I'm rethinking anything again. Would have been kind of an interesting move in this movie. Uh-huh. Right before I Joker, should I not Joker? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so so there's that mask. There's the cop car uh, window scene. Mm. Uh, th- those are the two big ones I can connect between the Dark Knight, but that- that's the-, the biggest is that it feels like maybe you should have read some comics. Maybe you should have thought about 80 years of history this character has. and Or just cast Mark Hamill. Just do it, everybody. <laughs> God, great. I think we all have the perfect Joker already, and he can do it live action. And nobody, in him. there is no actor who does the let me dust this off my shoulder move better than Mark <laughs> Hamill does. Uh-huh. So the Joker could have done that the entire movie. <laughs> When we come back, we are going to build our very own Rushmore full of our favorite Batman villain performance. Mount Rushmore! And we are back. Guys, listen, there's this thing, and it's called Mount Rushmore. And no one's ever seen it, and no one knows where it is, and no one knows who built it. So we're going to build our own. That way we can answer all those questions. I feel like what goes on at Rushmore are like sort of the most iconic things of all time. Batman villains are iconic just in their nature, but we've seen some amazing performances uh, by actors playing these villains, and I want to build a Rushmore of that. So gentlemen, bring me the best Batman villain performances you or anyone else has ever seen. Ryan, let's start with you. What do you think belongs on our Rushmore of Batman villain performances? All right, let's get a little ballsy here. Um, I Ooh, know going getting ballsy with the very first yeah. pick, uh, which should be worth a point in general. But he's going to say fine. Uma Thurman. I'm calling it. <laughs> uh, Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. Um, I'm. I don't want this mountain to go a particular way where it's all the same character. So yeah. I want to get out there ahead of that, and I want to say Michelle Pfeiffer from Catwoman. Dang. I'm sorry, not from Catwoman. That not was Holly Berry. <laughs> uh, from Batman Returns, I like. I think that it is hard to put a number on how impactful this character was for a yeah. lot of reasons. Um, the the leather, 
the uh, she just owned that entire movie, and mm-hmm. I like it might have ruined Halle Berry and Anne Hathaway's performances in the future yeah. because of how like her shadow was that big. Yeah, uh, she did something that I, I had never seen before as a young man, which is she had a neon sign in her house that said "Hello there." And when she made her full heel turn, she knocked out the O from hello, forming the word hell. And there she knocked out the T, so it said hell here. That's some of the most sign-changing, clever sign-changing in a Batman-related movie I have ever seen. (laughs) Uh, And I also like how it kind of takes a pass at really saying what Catwoman is, but strongly intimates that she's some sort of weird, like, cat revived undead cat person mm-hmm. who's right? into like the negative side of live laugh love uh-huh. <laughs> hell here how well that's definitely that's gonna go right up on the mountain of course uh catwoman iconic villain and that's yeah like probably one of the best performances of all time let's say mike do you think that's hyperbolic no no yeah well there's a point for mike and a point for ryan for getting something <laughs> up on the mountain all right mike let's go to you one uh, spot already taken I will I will follow suit with my respected competitors trend of let's not go the obvious route at first let's end obviously uh, uh-huh. and so much of Batman lore owes a lot to a fucking cartoon of a live action show but yeah. one character one villain won an Emmy and truly defined the Riddler I think so many kids grew up thinking the Riddler was just a rip off of the Joker because they just saw Jim Carrey. Not knowing uh-huh. what Frank Gorshin did with the Riddler and had him be like, as much as it could be in Batman 66, like a thoughtful, menacing, calculating kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he gave us the classic green bowler hat, purple band, purple uh, domino mask. Uh-huh. Didn't he always wear glasses in that? And the- wasn't his whole thing like with Batman would go to punch him and he'd be like, you're not going to hit a man with glasses, are you? Is that where and that so all came ba- from? And so then Batman would hold his hand out and then the Riddler would take off his glasses <laughs> and put them in Batman's hand and then Batman would punch him in the face. Iconic. Also punch him in the stomach. Yeah, yeah dude. Kick him in the knee. Kick him in the shin. <laughs> knock him over and kick him again. Uh, I'm going to put that on the maybe. That's, good. That's a maybe. But I really do like the chutzpah of bringing like sort of these deep pulls. Ryan... A lot of people are talking about that this is a major opening for you. Yeah, that this might is crazy. lift on his pick, and that you're gonna you got the easy street to another place on Rushmore. Care to respond? I am going to um, save one for my DC, as I call it, my distinguished competition. Um, and I don't know. I think there might be two obvious ones here, so me and Mike can do a one-two punch. But I'm going to go with Pop Filter Hall of Famer, the aforementioned Mark Hamill as the Joker in Batman the Animated Series. Uh, yeah, this I think this is the the we had Jack Nicholson. Maybe we'll talk about him later. But Jack was Jack in makeup. You know, Mark Hamill's performance was the comic book coming to life. This is yeah. what we all heard in our heads without even knowing that that's what we were hearing. Yeah. It, part of what I like about Hamill's Joker is there has been such a push to make Joker like likable or mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and Hamill just went so overboard and made him so unfunny so aggressively terrible needy uh, loud yeah. yeah like just that person that is always in your in the room next to you on every vacation just like yeah. shut the fuck up bro and, and i don't menacing at times like his patheticness turned menacing in a way that you bought yeah totally and i just i i don't think the joker is really supposed to be as appealing and cool and edgy as people want to make him he's, he does the edgiest thing of all right which is celebrating crime but he's not like <laughs> 
he's not a cool dude in a trench. He's like a, a he's a shitty clown that nobody likes, and that he just randomly kills people. Uh, and definitely, I'm giving you the point. Putting him up on the mountain. Also, you guys, do you know that that Mark Hamill is also Luke Skywalker? What? He's doing both of those things. They're very different characters. He Make, can two do sides both. Of, That's crazy. Two sides of a coin. Uh, I don't know. Mike, care to comment? I'm going to say that they're not no. that different uh, characters. They're the same. But I would like you two to write that think piece. I uh, <laughs> I don't I don't have the time for that. I just come up with the headlines and you guys handle it. You're just the idea guy. Hold so on, Mike. Frank Gorshin won an Emmy for playing the Riddler. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> and, yeah, and he was the one from the cast. We just zoomed right by that. I That's know. Good. Was that shit? That was like a primetime show. See, I think of it as being on Saturday at three. But yeah, right. No, yeah, it was not. So that was like th- Thursday night at eight p.m. Must see TV. Emmy winning. Emmy winning. It went Friends, Batman, Seinfeld. I think. I guess I'm glad I said Frank Gorshin, not Vincent Price's Egghead. Oh God damn it! Can we not ruin all of my things, please? All right, so Mike, it's back to you. Two slots taken. Uh, I wanted to keep doing deep polls. I wanted to. It'd be fun to do. uh, Avoid the big ones, but uh, now I'm afraid of not getting points. Uh, This is. I I do think the role that ruined helped ruin every Joker after and his own life. If you believe the Hollywood lore, like this is when. Oh, like you can't just act. You gotta. The Joker enters you, man, and changes you. But uh, people. I mean, the fact that Jack Nicholson said that to him is fucking crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he killed himself. And then, this well, is a guy who had played the devil. Jack Nicholson played the devil in another movie. So, like, isn't that a, a crazier guy? A clownier prince? It's crazy that he kissed Heath on the cheek and said, ever dance with me in the pale moonlight. And so are you hitting on him? Uh, but, yeah, Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight, I, I think it'd be impossible to not put him on here. And I do think this is why, this is when it came from, I think the Joker is cool. His performance was so good to, now I want to like him. Because this yeah. is the first Joker who did kind of make good points. But good uh-huh. points does not a good person make. Yeah. And it was, wasn't he like the first Joker who was really like a hardcore victim of stuff? Like portrayed as someone who's like deeply abused by his father. Right. But the difference is uh, between his Joker and the Joker we're mainly talking about tonight is it was all hinted at. You, He could have been lying the whole time. Oh, he- I, I distinctly remember when Heath Ledger gave his first origin story. I was like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. But yeah. it was one of three in and the he movie. Gave, yeah, he gave three more. And so maybe he just like smashed his head through glass at a fucking punk show and that's how he got those scars uh-huh. like you don't know and that's the whole point is don't know because uh, right there there have been many 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 origin stories for uh joker mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting in this movie that we get the origin story of, of batman retold because as maybe hacky as that move could possibly be we're reminded that there's one origin story for batman and we all know it down to the word pearls <laughs> But for the, for Joker, there are more origin stories than there are Jokers. You know, right. what, <laughs> they what, each have multiple ones. What would have been better if uh, those people who killed Thomas and Martha just kept walking down alleys and like threw a kid a green bowler hat and then introduced a little girl to plants and just went all the way down and created the entire world in one night. <laughs> they are the true heroes and villains. So uh, for me, I always... I feel like there is something off about this Joker, but this is, we talked about Rushmore as being iconic. This is like one of the most iconic, Mm -hmm. like Batman villain performances. So going up on the mountain, Mike gets the point for that one. And we are down to one spot. And what I'd like to do when we get down to just one spot is I'm going to go to both of you. I want both of you to give me a potential here. All right. One spot left. 
guys, think very wisely, okay? Ryan, who do you think belongs in the last spot and why? I want so badly to say Victor Zaz from Gotham, but this is iconic, <laughs> and this iconic, is... Iconic, yeah. Yeah, that's not what we're doing here. Um, I've got... Uh, man, this is this is really hard. I, I will... I will say the reason for the season, you know, I feel like that as much as the shitting on it, like we're going to <laughs> fellow listeners, we're going to shit so much on this movie for the next hour. So uh, yeah. I don't know if I can keep doing it right now. The guy won best actor previously. The guy, the guy made a million dollars. Right? He probably made one exact million dollars. <laughs> Uh, previously to uh, him winning Best Actor, Joker had only been given Best Supporting Actor. So this is a huge <laughs> step up for the Joker as a character. Um, I, th- I, I have a couple more left, but I think Joaquin has to be talked about. All right. So potentially, as Ryan says, the reason for the season. And later in the show, we're going to dig deep into his performance. Mike, what do you think? Who do you say should be the last one on? I want to lean iconic. And if you like Billy down the street and ask somebody like name three Batman villains from movies, uh, this is one. It comes up. The Internet, I think, is a big reason people remember this one more than anything. It is the most laughed at movie, but the most pop culturally referenced villain now is fucking Mr. Freeze. Are you serious right now? I think so. We're talking about iconic. He's all (laughs) over the place. It's absurd. It is not favorite, but... (laughs) I think I think he would be listed eight people before Joaquin Phoenix would if tell me a Batman villain from a movie. I think there are a few more iconic people. How about Eartha Kitt's Catwoman? How about Danny Tom DeVito's Hardy's Penguin. Bane? How about Danny DeVito's Bane? No, you I drop the ball. Tom Hardy's on this Bane. He is not on there. He's not <laughs> iconic in any way. How about all of the people whose jobs were to come up with new puns about cold and ice that lost their jobs because Mr. Freeze took them all in that one movie? And then Jack Nicholson. Like, yeah. It's big. Yeah. We already said it, his name, so I thought like, we weren't allowed to say it. <laughs> well, I am going to sort of sift through all of these, and I will pick Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jack Nicholson's performance of Joker iconic going up on the mountain ryan you did technically say that so that's what? gonna when? be a point he just said and jack nicholson oh he just when we're just yelling oh, that's insane yeah yeah it, you know what that's this a great is a point show, of best this is a show dedicated to a man who thinks evil is a laughing matter so i think Ugh. what you're gonna find is that some of these things are not reasonable mike all right i'm an agent of chaos that's why i'm wearing all this makeup all right, so Ryan, who goes up on the mountain? Did, did either one of you pay any attention to who we put on this mountain? Yeah, uh, it came out, you know, the Joker's definitely represented. I think we all saw that coming, right? Uh, yes. The mountain is Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman Returns, Mark Hamill from Batman the Animated Series, Heath Ledger from The Dark Knight, and Jack Nicholson from <laughs> Batman 89. <laughs> Batman 89. What a great movie. Guys. Is that a good movie? I don't know. Let's ba- do an '89 season. Batman. You know, the the Batman movie from '89 does like make its own little space. I yeah. don't know if it's a good movie, but it's a it's a fun movie. It's the only movie that isn't like watch all these people get nuts. It asks the audience, "Do you want to get nuts?" <laughs> In the lobby right now, Peanut Machine. Let's go. It's the only movie I can ever remember seeing a jet get shot down with a handgun. <laughs> <laughs> right so that's that, that's pretty cool because they that's mostly safe for real life movies try to stay away from that 
guys, what we're going to do here is we are going to sort of flip the switch on the track and we're going to deviate from our regular listeners and just go and do a little content for our Patreon listeners who we love so much and who mean so much to us. Mike, how do you find our Patreon on the computer web? You can find it by going to patreon.com slash your pop filter. And then all our offerings and tiers are there. You mm-hmm. get $1 a month, you get a certain amount of things, you get five, $5 is the best. Do $5 a month. We do have a new patron, and I want to thank him because we're supposed to do that. That's one of the things we offer. Uh, so thank <laughs> you to Daniel T. Who the oh, fuck Daniel is that? T. A strange person a we don't know. A strange person we don't know. Is that D. Tompkins? No, that's too oh, much information. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, I do think, Mike, do you think that we can add in this time, in our nation, this crisis, can we add a tier tier where every time one of us starts just crying about what's going on, we film it, and you get, you get to watch that? Yes, I think people need more things to jerk off to. They've gone through RedTube. <laughs> I have been spending a lot of time weeping lately, and I was wondering if I should make a TikTok while I do. <laughs> hey, Greg, <laughs> if you're going to do something, turn it into content, please. What are we doing here? Nothing is just living anymore. Everything is tent. Tent, tent, so, tent, tent. <laughs> so, step this way, Patreon listeners, into a land of fresh, exclusive content where we'll take you on a shopping spree and talk about the contributions of Todd Phillips to this movie. The rest of you, no, no, no. You can't step behind the curtain just yet unless you, like Daniel T. Tompkins, agree to give us some amount of money per month. When we come back, Patreon only! We are back with everybody, all our listeners, who, for the record, as far as you know, we all love equally. We are going to ask and answer another one of our questions, and here it is. Hugh Jackman in The Fountain, Meryl Streep in Julia and Julia, Michael Fassbender in Prometheus, Jake Gyllenhaal in Jarhead, Edward Norton in Primal Fear, Will Smith in Ali. Can we at least put Joker in that category of mediocre movie with a great lead performance? No. I'm here to say no. Cause it, All right, let's go to the speed round. <laughs> it feels like even when people want to shit on the movie but don't want to get like screamed at on Twitter uh-huh. or in real life, uh, they go, but Joaquin is great. Like It's like we're not even allowed to mention maybe somebody who is like one of the best living actors did a bad job. I would say the. The best living actor? But, okay, so Mike, you're kind of, by not saying it, you're saying it, but would you like to affirm <laughs> That walk you think in what in your opinion Joaquin Phoenix does a bad job in this movie? I I want to say that I don't think it's his fault, so maybe I'm still hedging my bets. But it, you're like, hedging like crazy. I, man. I alluded to maybe just in the Patreon section that it feels like it's a different Arthur in every scene he's in because okay. like he's this like tick he he has so many ticks and idiosyncrasies throughout the movie, and in the hospital scene with his mom, he's calm. There's no ticks. So is it saying like anger pushes through mental illness? If you're angry enough, you can become real cool and collected like you do belong in a Tarantino movie. And then through the rest of the movie, he's mostly that, but he just gets like cooler. And real Arthur kind of goes away. And it's and it's not saying like But that's when he's see, this is what's this is what's so tough about this movie. Those anytime you see him looking calm and collected when he's angry, that's his weird misremembering what actually happened right but but even in his fantasy before when he first him and his mom are watching murray he's an at he's like the weird twitchy guy in murray's yeah. crowd so in that fantasy he's the arthur we get to know okay so that's why it's hard and it just feels like off like it doesn't feel like oh no this is his if if in that fantasy he was very cool and normal 
then I'd be like, oh, every time he's like calm and collected and, do- and doesn't do the weird laugh thing and doesn't and can't make eye contact. Then he- is this just a movie where we watch a guy learn how to pretend that he's cool? <laughs> At the beginning of the movie, he doesn't know, but by the end of it, he has a rich imaginary life where he's rad. Even even like, so, there's like the cool, calm, collected Arthur in the hospital and with the two other clown guys. But then when he's on Murray's show, he uses a voice we've never seen before. He really does change his voice in every other scene yeah. of this fucking movie. And it's Queen Elizabeth's voice, which is why would oh, hello. that was we Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> yeah, Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> it was a drive-by fruiting, Murray. <laughs> yeah, um, this is definitely because of watching it a second time. Because when you first watch it, you are interested in seeing what he does next. Mm-hmm. But the second time, you already know, and it is just sort of like, what do I think could make me cooler? or more subtle, or more crazy. And I think that he is definitely a, or this performance is definitely a victim of him being the greatest, I'll say non-retired actor. Mm -hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis is still alive. Um, But, like, compare this performance to The Master, or Uh Her, or uh, Inherent Vice. Like, this actor is capable of doing so many things in any given second, and Uh we really only do have one thing going on at any given time. It's not complex. It's not nuanced. It's all just like, hey, man. And and it's definitely, I hate to go back to the previous segment from Patreon, but it's Todd Phillips is not right. giving him. Right. Give him or give him direction. Yeah. Like, Paul Thomas Anderson created this, like, insane performance of him in, like, multiple movies. Or in her, Spike Jones did. The guy is insanely talented. This was no direction, no advice. Do what you want. There's a story of the, the, the bathroom scene. Uh, I think it's after he kills the the Wall Street Bros, uh, and he's realizing, and that's like the first time we see him dance, and he did that like to get pumped up. And Todd Phillips was like, "That, that's the character you dance on." Like, so it's just that's a bad director <laughs> who just sees you do something off the cuff and goes, "We're gonna put that in the movie, man." Because that I also don't... shows it, my it bugs me. He does that weird like alien slow dance. If that was always uh-huh. how he danced, at least, and he's doing that down the stairs, that's creepy and that's a decision but the dance styles change up throughout the whole fucking thing there's no consistency i'm sure this sounds hypocritical because there's a million incredible hollywood stories of where like the best part of it was like done off camera and they moved it in and now we're just shitting on todd phillips no matter what but there's so much other evidence of him not knowing what to do or not having his own ideas or message or thing to say that it just it, it falls right into the crap list and and it, it, it what bothers me a lot and goes back to like the very first question of uh, is this saying like it's cool to be an incel and kill people? It I don't like that that more violent he becomes the cooler and more like collected and can get through society he becomes. That's a bad fucking message. That's the truly bad message in this movie based on his behavior. One of the things I think the movie could have tackled that I didn't think about until I was listening to you two was the difference between um, what you think is cool. And how you, like, remember your past, Uh you know? And this guy has a severe problem of understanding what cool means. And so what we get to watch is, like, his idea of it, and it's not at all. And that, right, just dealing with that is small enough for this one movie to tackle, you know? Unfortunately, it's one of 200 different things, none of which are handled well or thoughtfully or originally. Mm -hmm. It uh, is said of Joaquin Phoenix, or rather he said himself that, he didn't base like his performance on any one mental illness, but like on a plurality of them, a bunch of mental illnesses. Isn't that tantamount to saying like, I set out to do a bad job. Yeah. Like the, and it kind of fits with what you're saying, Mike, which is like, there's not consistency to it. And then 
when I see that being replicated across different things, I'm wondering, is that kind of the point? Is that lack of coherence part of the point that the performer is making and part of the point that Todd Phillips is making? Or is it just we throw everything at the wall and we hope that at the end something profound sticks? It's one the of those things, of- if, if it works, cool. Your lack of coherence, man, it, wait, if it doesn't work, it seems not coherent and bad. Like... <laughs> <laughs> It's a big, it's a big risk you're taking. The amount of performance in it and the lack of like complexity and nuance uh, reminds me of a different iconic, I think, Oscar-nominated performance, and that is Jack Sparrow. And Johnny Depp straight up said, "I just did Keith Richards." Right. Yeah. Pick, pick one thing. Pick one thing to do, and then copy it, and then and be always consistent. Make it Keith Richards. <laughs> no matter what. Seven. <laughs> But yeah, I, I would say that Jack Sparrow is a more entertaining, more compelling character and performance than what we got in The Joker. I can't wait for the emails. I agree with you, but I fucking cannot wait for the freakouts. Do you guys wish that more people identified with Jack Sparrow the way they identify with The Joker? <laughs> yes, because at least that's silly. <laughs> Jack Sparrow can take himself, can take a joke. I will say, so... so to like hone in because Joaquin, there, there's moments in this movie that he does great. Him, like trying to laugh with the clowns clowned up and the and laughing. One of his many fake laughs, and the minute he turns his corner, dropping is chilling. Yeah, like he looks terrifying there. And then him walking up through the subway, smoking into the clown makeup, he looks fucking boss. Like yeah, yeah. Him watching the crowd with interest. Not with, like, hatred. I'm going to kill all these people soon once I become the clown prince of crime. But with interest (laughs) of, like, I wish that people looked at me in a normal way like they look at everybody else. That was good. And I do think that another scene that shows the floor and the ceiling of the movie, much like the stair scene, is the scene where he kills the clown in his apartment. Like, his his co-worker. Um, I think that there's a lot there that is clearly, like, we don't know how to do violence well so we'll just do a lot of it but Uh as far as the performance goes i think that is when he is at his best Mm -hmm. that's when he's most uh unhinged but like the same amount of compelling consistent unhinged for the entire movie and and that we only get this version of him in this scene but it does hint at a better movie if he was this arthur who was just a little awkward and, and and but be him like fucking with the the guy he lets live, he's like, yeah. ah, I'm going to get you down. Yeah. Come on. Like that I was like, man, that I'm would just be a prankster. terrifying. <laughs> and him <laughs> laughing at him because the guy, the guy is a little person and he can't reach the lock and he looks so, de- that guy is fucking great. Uh, yeah, dude. And him just like fucking with him. He's like, ah, you're sure. I'm not going to kill you. You're always nice. Like that, that, that scene, if they did that scene first, they're like, how do we build a movie around this only? That would be good. You haven't. See, the reason why that's such a good performance from him is that because now we are fully in Arthur Flex world. Mm-hmm. where the rules are set up and at least for that scene consistent where of course he's going to kill the guy that he sort of doesn't like and it's going to be in the most brutal way possible. Right. Of course I'm not going to kill you the you know the little person because you didn't do anything wrong to me. Why would you think that I would kill you, bro? Like oh yeah. just cuz you saw that? No, of course not. <laughs> yeah. But all of the rules for Arthur Fleck's crazy brain are set and they're and they're good for that one scene. Mm-hmm. There is a a moment in that scene where the guy can't get out of his apartment um, and Arthur's like, just get out of here. And then the guy can't do it. He, he can't undo the lock. And there's that moment where knowing the Joker, you're like, oh, that's going to be the difference. Uh-huh. Like if he was, if he's able to get out, he would let him go because that's a stupid reason to kill somebody. And I think it's a sign that he's not fully Joker yet, that he actually does let that guy go. What I find really chilling about that particular scene is that line where he says like, you were always nice to me. That's like something that like mass shooters right. they say to like the people that like, 
and I'm just very uncomfortable with that. Like, I don't really know what the point of that is. And it's and not I'd chaotic, like... and it's not jokery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you've all... totally, you, basically now, instead of dealing with the Joker, we're dealing with Frank Castle, you know? Like, yeah. that, and uh, Frank Castle, Castle is looked upon well by a lot of other, like, bad people in society. Cops. But mo- is mostly looked at as, like, on the hero side. And that's what they're trying, like, see, because he's not chaos, because he has these rules, Atticus Finch has all these rules. They're the same, you know? They're just good guys trying to make it through the world. Oh, and they have the would, same initials. Would you agree that the Joker is the clown prince of crime, but that the Punisher is a prince who clowns on crime? Oh, wow. Yes. Okay, Mike, you would agree to that? Ryan, would you agree to that? Uh, yes, I would. All right, two points for Mike. And you know what that sound means? I hope you heard a sound effect a second ago. It <laughs> is time for the speed round. Let's talk about the ending of the movie. Is there anything interesting or good about the end of this movie? We sort of talked about it earlier, but like, was this a solid ending in any capacity? It's try hard, saw a good movie before bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say, Mike? I heartily agree. I don't want to give Ryan a point, but yeah, it, it's. <laughs> yeah, it just it, it felt like it felt like another instance of like maybe maybe some people will think this is neat like <laughs> this is another way you could possibly end a movie uh in that scene though uh as he's running are those louis batons he's wearing because they're red bottoms <laughs> right guys red bottoms is this a purse joke is it about is louis Vuitton a purse? i don't i don't understand isn't louis Vuitton the shoes that have like red bottoms, and so I, I don't, red bottoms? you live in i think a different uh high society it's based on something i, I heard it's based on something i heard cardi b say okay oh, and i okay. think actually right now our listeners are laughing so loud that they haven't even heard this part where we stumble through trying to talk about it okay i would say that right now mike has a red bottom for because i'm spanking him so hard on the show Ooh, that's why my dick's so hard <laughs> oh wow that's gonna be yeah point for mike <laughs> What is it about Joker as a character that makes him so enduring that we have to constantly deal with more and more versions of him? I I think there is something alluring to the chaos because no matter what era you're in, whether it's the 40s or now, rules are kind of bullshit. And this Uh is somebody who goes, isn't everything bullshit? And Mm -hmm. it's fun to not know what somebody's going to do. I think, too, that, like, again, this episode, listening to you guys talk, has taught me that um, we've got Riddlers and Anton Chigurhs. And mm. Riddlers are sort of, like, non-threatening, and Anton Chigurhs are not funny, <laughs> I guess, not interesting to watch. <laughs> and Joker is the combination of, like, I act like an animal. Like, I act like a thoughtless beast, but then I also sort of know how puns can be bad and so bad they're good. <laughs> and that combination is pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> also, it, there, there is some sort of thing where, like, we get to deal with our fear of clowns, but not straight up what clowns typically look like, you know? Yeah. Like, they, they sort of, like, turn the clown into a more obvious villain, which is easier to look at than the clown that we know, which is not villainous, therefore very villainous. Very scary. Uh, and, and it is because he's the foil to Batman, who has so many codes and rules. He lives his whole life disciplined. So this is the complete opposite of that. Like, Batman's all, like one of Batman's rules, I'm going to dress like a bat. Yeah. Joker's rule, yeah. never dress, never like, dress a like a bat. <laughs> Man, uh, do you guys hope that at some point there will be a property that explores how the Joker and the Batman, in the end, aren't that different? Oh, man. Yeah. Please I, don't assign me that think piece. There's no way that I could write that. Do you know it's who could too do really well at that is the Property Brothers? I think that's hey, a perfect property. They no. look the same. 
So no. that's how you know they're the same? No. We're uh, we're not going to make this a whole thing about how much I fucking hate the Property <laughs> Brothers. But we're also not going to... Ryan, you're getting two points. Thank you're getting you. two points Shit. for not bringing up the Property Brothers. One of them is is dating Zoe Deschanel. They put out a quarantine video together. Uh, this is... I'm so furious. This is that property property or property property? I don't know which one it is. Yeah, I don't know it's too hard to tell. About. Yeah, they are... They both suck. I hate them so much. Um, the movie points the finger at at least half a dozen entities that are at fault for creating the Joker. What do you think in the end is like, is there one that gets the finger pointed at it? You are definitely responsible. The in, in flex mind, it's Thomas Wayne. Like he definitely focuses on him, but it's, it's the, I think looking at it zoomed out a little, it is the breakdown of any sort of social welfare program. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah, uh, like, we don't take care of the people who are on the lower level, which all three of us are. Um, but I think the, the the way that the movie ruins that is by having literally anything that can shit on Arthur shit on him. And right. that's uh-huh. what creates the Joker, and that sort of ruins it. Yeah, I the, think the, 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 mo- the, he's making the, like, fun faces with the kid who's enjoying it on the subway in the beginning of the movie, and the mom starts uh-huh. yelling at him. Like The mom who's, like, equally bleak. poor. Yeah, it'd be a little less bleak and more believable if... Also- she was like, yeah, thank you for distracting my kid for these 20 grueling minutes. So she was a woman of color. Uh-huh. Uh, his oh, yeah, let's talk about psychologist this. who doesn't listen to him is a woman of color. And the psychologist at the end that he kills is a woman of color. And uh, the only other The only other woman of color is the like his imaginary girlfriend, which is just someone who lives in his building and then who he cre- like does a B&E to go uh, hang out with and terrify. Is that super comfortable the way this guy is like constantly being like rude or dismissed by specifically women of color and that's like the only role for them in the movie? Huh. Yeah, I guess I thought of it that like He says cuz okay, like, sorry, let me just say one last thing about it. He says to his psychologist, a woman of color again, like he says, "You don't listen to me, do you?" That feels like such a loaded thing to say in that scene. Mm-hmm. You know, to be a white man saying to one of color, like you're not listening to me and you don't hear my part anymore. There's also a um, guy from Atlanta. I know he's not a woman, but uh, David t- Patrick Tyree. The way that I, I sort of saw it was that uh, all of the people at the top that are bad are white. And all of the people that are at the bottom that are bad are white. And sort of like if, if anybody is like in the middle and okay, then we're going to cast somebody black. So as to like, like directly avoid this conversation. Right, but by doing that, and that's always the people who Arthur feels like okay with at times going against throughout uh-huh. the movie. Then you're like, hmm, hmm, <laughs> until he like really cracks <laughs> and goes against Thomas Wayne and then his own mother. But before that, through the rest of the movie, he's like, you know who I'm definitely fine with talking back to? People of color. <laughs> when we come back, we are going to hand out some awards to this movie. And we're back, you know, award season is the most exciting time in any of our lives. And we decided, why not make every week award season? And so we've done it here on Movie of the Year. We are going to give out awards for best performances and such in the Joker. Excuse me, in Joker. It's not the. It's not the. It's not, you guys. It's just Joker. Just Joker. Mike, let's start with you. Who do you think should win an award for the best pound-for-pound pound performance of the film? All right, I'm ready to break a trend. Because the last few weeks were like, all right, I know I don't want to give it to the one-hander person who ruled this, but I have to. 
This time, I do not have to. Uh, I've loved this actor for a long time. I think he should be in everything. And the amount of, like, flabbergasted by the character when he has to deal with the Joker and that he's in this movie at all. There's just a slight arch eye-rolling in everything he does. Shea Wiggum, he plays one of the cops. He's the, the skinnier cop without a mustache. He's uh-huh. so fucking good in everything he does. And I, his energy of, why am I doing this at all, <laughs> uh, is great. Uh, Agent Carter's boss, um, Steve Buscemi's brother. Nookie's brother, yeah. Cop brother. Yeah, this guy is uh, probably never going to star anything, but like one of my he's favorite f- character actors. He's got a face for cops and federal agencies. Yeah, he's so good at like the no malarkey energy, <laughs> you know? Just like, oh, I don't have time for any of this craziness. Oh, yeah, that's a perfect point because his 1920s person is not different than his 2019 person. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just, it's timeless, no this malarkey. It's all bullshit. <laughs> I think he was also in Homeland or uh, Homecoming, and he did the same thing. It was just like looking through notepads and being like, "I can't believe this. I had to wake up super early for this." <laughs> uh, Ryan, who do you think has the best pound for pound performance? Fuck it, man. I thought that if we didn't say Joaquin, then we're being like iconoclastic. But I'm not going to do it either. Um, yeah. I love the performance of like we're, basically we're going to say you have to be two different characters. But if you could not just be like screaming in one character and then. Uh, crying in the other one, just like change a little bit. Uh, Zazie Beetz was like, you believed that she was sort of flirting with Arthur on the <laughs> elevator, which is crazy. I don't know who would do yeah. that. But then also when she walked into the room and saw him after the B&E, yeah. y- you were just based on her face, you were like, oh, okay, I get it. The movie's doing the thing where yeah, it was all imaginary. But yeah, I thought she pulled off every single scene she was in. Criminally underused. And Ryan's going to take the point. Award sense. goes to Zazie Beats. Also, if it was best name of all time, yeah. the award would also go to Zazie Beats. Our next category, Ryan, can you tell me who you nominate or what what you nominate for cringiest moment? So Todd Phillips, we we've gone over his resume. We know what he's what he's doing, and he's trying to break apart from that. But I really think that he did not do a good job breaking apart from his past with his treatment of the little person. Uh-huh. It's like there are cameras pointed at would you guys like laughing along with us when we laugh at the little person? All the jokes are sort of broad. And then he is involved in some physical comedy at the end where he can't reach the lock. Mm -hmm. And I think it really feels like Todd Phillips thinks it's all legit funny. Yeah. Yeah. That, that if the scene where they're all making fun of him, you, you could be like, Oh, these guys are assholes. But putting that in where you didn't need to put that extra lock that's locked super high up. He could uh-huh. have not been able to open the door for so many reasons. Yeah. Also, uh, the part that offended—well, like it's—it's it's offensive in a lot of ways. But that dude lives in a world where things are high all the time, and so if he has to leave someone's apartment and he had to do it quickly, he would be very good at just finding something that he could drag over there and jump up on it and get the door. Like, they're not helpless. They know yeah. that things are higher than than they te- than they would have them like he just stood there and was like oh i guess i can't reach this and it sucks because that guy's a good actor and he like he might have been able to to take it for a pound for pound performance as well because he doesn't have a lot that he does in the movie but he does it very well two weeks after that he's uh at a different house that has the same lock situation and he still just calls arthur it's like oh, i'm so scared but please come over <laughs> hey buddy it happened again i'm sorry <laughs> i know you're good at this by now Dang, this is nuts. I seem to have gotten behind another door. 
uh mike what do you think is the cringiest moment i, I think in, in in movie and out of movie just because so many people do tend to look up to the joker and with this one the the one the biggest defense is they're like i relate i found it relatable uh is that scene with zazzy where she's like please don't hurt my kid and he's just staring at her not answering it's just like oh man this is the guy you're all relating to is somebody who breaks <laughs> into a single mother's house and threatens her and her kid Ugh. makes my skin crawl that's the that, that's the character you have tattooed on your forearm <laughs> while you make my sandwich i don't want to see that uh ryan's gonna take that one as well cringy to the max all right the next award is going to go to director's signature moment what is the most todd phillips moment in this movie mike I, I really do think it's it's the character of the Joker himself. It's the mediocre white guy pushing back against life. So I guess it's him screaming, you get what you fucking deserve. Because right. at some point, Zach Afanakis says something like that in The Hangover. Vince Vaughn says it when he creates a frat. Like, all of them <laughs> go, fuck anybody telling me what to do. It's their fault, not my fault. <laughs> what do you say, Ryan? Uh, this one was hard, and I'm trying not to be an asshole to this guy. But it's hard to, like, see what his sort of his moves are um and so i think that like mike i'm gonna sum it up in one scene which is right at the beginning one of the more iconic scenes joker trying to force a smile force a frown that's sort of what todd phillips does is just like please let me stick my i I don't know how to do it naturally so let me stick my fingers in your mouth and move your mouth up and down based on whatever (laughs) strings i am trying to pull do, do you know what I do like? I do like this counter-programming to how Batman got formed. It's not because he saw his parents get shot. It's because a stranger stuck his fingers through a gate and into his mouth, and then he went, well, that should never happen to any child. <laughs> I didn't like that one bit. All right, I'm going to give the point to Mike with the, you got to listen to me now. Tell him a white dude. I want people to hear what I got to say. All right, now we're going to do our very special awards that are just for Joker. Ryan, can you say who you nominate for the award for the time in the movie when you wished for the tiny Joker from the meme? Now, there's a meme that came out uh, with Joker dancing on the stairs, but then they had, like, changed the ratio on him, so he got really squat and tiny. Uh, and Like Spawn's felt... villain, right? Do you remember Spawn's big villain? Oh, yeah, the clown. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, dude, that, that demon. Uh, so, guys, when did you most wish that that guy were in the movie instead of the Joker that we got? Greg, I'm going to be honest with you right now. This was uh, the hardest part of this entire endeavor, taking on Joker, is trying to figure out when this would have been better because the uh-huh. obvious answer is everything. Uh, but I have to go with um, killing his mom with a pillow, suffocating her. <laughs> if that was just in, like, if that was a, a short squat, <laughs> tiny little demon just uh, jumping on the bed and trying to suffocate her with a... Uh, you know, a normal size pillow. I think that would have been so much better. <laughs> what do you say, Mike? Uh, I was going to say when he's yelling at Thomas Wayne, but the, what we've been talking about, I think if he kills the big guy who was mean to him and then the manager of the clowns is trying to get out and can't reach the lock and he's like, neither can I. And then they have to use teamwork <laughs> together. <laughs> so you want more little people jokes. You thought but, the movie did not have enough little people jokes. <laughs> this one shows teamwork. When I had conceived of this question, I didn't think of its connection to that other part of the movie. That certainly was not what the joke was about. So, Ryan, you're going to take the <laughs> point there, and we're going to scoot on right by from this award. Up next, Mike, this one's going to be tough, you guys, but I want you to really do it, okay? What is a moment that you actually liked? 
Okay, Mike. I was going to have a, a throw of some army one of when he talked to the cops and then ran into the glass door. Okay. Because uh, that, that did make me, like, breathe harder than I had been, which is almost uh-huh. a laugh. Uh, but a scene I actually do think really worked uh, was before he goes on Murray's show, he's watching somebody who did well on the show and is practicing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and to show, like, that level of uh, insanity and planning – and one that's how what real comedians do shit like that. And just like that, that is like the, the, the Joker isn't just chaos. He's planned chaos. And so that kind of showed that. And it felt real in a way so much of his character did not. Okay. Ryan, what do you say? Um, th- I think there's a moment in this movie that makes me feel what the whole movie was trying to do. And it's when uh, the cops, including Shay Wiggum, uh, run into the subway and then they're chasing down Arthur and then uh, they pull their gun, and then the gun gets taken, and he ends up killing one of the clowns. And then the clowns see that, and then they, like, swamp on, on him and, like, take it over. They swarm. Uh-huh. And the whole subway is chaos. And I, we have this feeling in movies and in real life where, like, things are crazy, but cops will come in and they'll make it better. Not only uh-huh. do they typically make it worse, but what if they are just overtaken? Like, what if their badge means nothing? Now what do we have? And I could feel that whole time, like, my chest going, like, oh, fuck. And it's in a subway. It's in a very small space. That was – it was, like, claustrophobic and sort of – that was when my heart was beating, I think, the amount that I was supposed to be, you know, the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, the only moment of this movie that I would say I genuinely liked and I think is delivered perfectly – is when it cuts to the cops and you're no longer in the dance of the bells anymore. You're no yeah. longer seeing like the Joker, like being thinking he looks so cool <laughs> and smoking and dancing on the steps, and you just see this guy dressed like that, and he's just going eh, 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 eh. <laughs> like doing the air humping. It reminds me. <laughs> It reminds me of that Lonely Island song where the guy's singing about being on cocaine, <laughs> and yeah. there's like they're like birds and like all oh, these cartoons, and then, it, and then it cuts to what other people see, and he's just like kind of twitching, and someone's like, "What's his problem?" He's like, "Oh, he's high on cocaine." It also reminds me a lot of how I actually look and sound when I'm doing real humping, just that same uh-huh. noise. <laughs> <laughs> We've all heard it. What was yours again, Mike? When he's the scene where he's practicing to be on Murray's talk show. I like that. I'm going to give you the point there, Mike, because uh, I think as crazy as Joker is supposed to be as a character and as weird as that is, I think we all practice being normal. (laughs) When I'm in a when I'm in social interaction, this is how I should talk. Okay, remember, be a normal person. (laughs) Remember how to do it. All right. And our last award is going to go for Scorsesiest moment. So, Ryan, what do you think should win Scorsesiest moment? I mean, the obvious thing is to do something from Taxi Driver, but. To be honest, all like there's so many movies that rip off Taxi Driver. The one that is like done just with no guilt whatsoever is The King of Comedy. You know, like that was Jerry Lewis as the talk show host and Robert De Niro as the Joker, and then they just moved Robert De Niro into that spot. Uh-huh. Uh, when he in the very beginning of the movie, when he first imagines being on the show and getting a ton of laughter, that is, I mean, it's literally shot for shot what Scorsese did in that moment. And all uh-huh. of the all of the ways that Scorsese like he does like this gritty realism, but he's also so good at confusing you and making you not know what's real or not, which is what Todd Phillips wanted to do the entire time. But in order to do it effectively, he carbon copied that scene from King of Comedy. He really doesn't understand how to reference. Like he you can refer to things without just having to reproduce them. What do you say, Mike? Uh, yeah, I was trying to avoid just like he wanted to make these movies. The <laughs> it, it, it feels like uh, a lot of Scorsese uses like 
if not directly Frank Sinatra, like a lot of big band score. And this movie uses, they ju- I think they had the money only for one Frank Sinatra song. And just having that as the musical cue behind things. Uh-huh. There was never a full montage. Like I wanted him to start talking about like, and here's how we jokered back in the day. Everything was great. Uh, so he didn't do that, but there's there definitely like cues where it'd be a quiet scene. And then like, that's life would kick in. Uh, also, I just want a moment to talk about that's life because Murray's closing sign off is like, and you know what I say? That's life. Apropos nothing. Did not make sense to what he was saying before. Yeah. It's just a fucking hacky thing to be like, see, and now the song That's Life, it's all connected. But motherfucker, you curated this whole universe. It's not like, whoa, that makes me think. You seem like an <laughs> asshole. How great would it have been? Uh, probably would have ruined this award, but how great would it have been if like, when we first meet Arthur, there's a freeze frame? And it's just him voiceover saying, for as far back as I remember, I wanted to be a joker. (laughs) (laughs) That movie would be so much better than this movie. (laughs) All right. And the winner is going to be you, Ryan, with the shot for shot recreation. (laughs) The Scorsese's moment was the time he remade a Scorsese scene. I will say this. I, I think the most effective version is that everybody thinks that they can make you, like, see what New York is like. But Scorsese figured out how to make you, like, smell New York. Uh-huh. And that's what this movie did almost as good. Is like, this isn't the, you know, the city that never sleeps, the Big Easy, the uh, Seattle Junior, whatever the nicknames are. Uh, you, you really do feel like you can smell every corner of this movie. Well, one of the first audio cues we hear is, like, radio channels. And they're like, we got garbage and super rats all over the place. <laughs> like... This is Gotham. It's not a city you recognize the name of before. We got rats and garbage. I'm radioing here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the weather's crazy. Well, that is the end of our awards. Ryan, do you want to tell them who won? Who won what and the who now? Yeah, Zazie Beats won best performance. Uh, The little person treatment was cringiest. Um, Joker's... uh, Something with the Joker won best director. Uh, <laughs> Killing Mom was the best time to have a little Joker. Uh, him watching videos uh, was the moment we actually liked. Moment we actually liked, and the complete ripoff of King of Comedy was the Scorsese's moment. <laughs> Congratulations! Any of those people or moments can come on down to our studios. We won't be there, of course, because it's dangerous to be anywhere right now. When we come back, I will tell you who won today's episode, and we will. See how Joker's going to do in the rest of this bracket. I have tabulated the scores. You guys are not going to believe it. Ryan, you have 37 points. That's pretty good, right? That's a lot of points. That is a lot of points. But, Mike, you scored 38. What? What the fuck? You did it, bud. You won. You take the mantle of best friend. And now you truly are the clown prince of friendom. This is bullshit. I'm obviously like going to turn in paperwork in order to like uh, protest this. But do you guys in general prefer losing by just a little or would you rather just get blown the fuck out of the water? Oh, I'm a sore loser. So like I want to lose by a lot and always be throwing my hands (laughs) up in the air and just like this is ridiculous and then stop trying. So that on some level I can be like, I never even competed. As <laughs> as somebody who's lost by like 15 points on this show, I'd say losing by one feels a little better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you were you're like, oh, like I, I, I don't, I'm not embarrassed for people to hear this later. <laughs> <laughs> so I said 15 fewer interesting things than he did. <laughs> okay, that's cool. I just cool. won't come next week. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's good to know. So Mike, you are the champion and best friend now. You have won this. What do we think the chances are? 
that Joker is going to win our bracket. It only is on this top eight because it was like the most controversial movie of 2019. It's bananas we had to do this fucking show. <laughs> Traditionally, Mike, you hate giving away like how movies are going to uh-huh. do in the finale, right? Oh, it might take down Parasite. Who knows? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I want to hear is <laughs> keep talking about how – but, I mean, like, it's it's really hard to, like, come up with – I don't know, like vague, teasy things about the finale where Joker's going to do well. Yeah. Do you guys think it could could win Moody's? Um, uh, do we have Razzie Moody's that I'm not remembering? I don't think so. N- not after we kind of let the cat out of the bag and said that we were not blown away by Joaquin yeah. Phoenix's performance. That was the one, I think right? That, yeah, I mean, maybe... I No, because there's violence in a lot of the other movies. Yeah, I don't think that it's going to be a standout in any of the... Best Jokering? Oh. No, because no. Adam Sandler. Yeah, he that was some good Joker. so good. This is <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to come. Shit, do All you right, guys think I, that he could do... Like, let's say 10 more years. He's 10 years older. I don't know the director. Let's say the Safety Brothers. Do you think he could be like a good retirement Joker? Yes. Oh, man. I would love that. <laughs> that would be nuts. <laughs> but, then, but then it might take our best comedian and drive him crazy. We wouldn't want that. We wouldn't want to lose his bright talent. All right. So, Mike, as the winner, you are going to get to choose the movie for next time. Oh, shit. There's not a ton of choices left over. I think it's just between Parasite and Little Women. And the Irishman. Oh, and the Irishman. He's like, I don't want to watch a three-hour movie next week, so here are your choices. (laughs) No, I would never. I think as the winner, you have the power to say Joker. So, yeah, if that's what you want to do. Let's do it again. See how we feel. Uh, I'm going to say let's let's keep going on the class warfare strain, but really stick it to the Joker and say who can do it better. We're parasiting, brothers. Parasite. You heard it here first. Next week's show is Parasite. I'm pumped. Before we go, we just have to thank Shady Monk, who does our music, our sweet tunes, that you hear bringing more energy and life to this show than probably any other element of it. But this show is not the only show we have on our vast podcast network. Would you agree with that, Mike? That's true. True words never spoken. Wild what other shows? <laughs> <laughs> what other shows can the fans at home expect to hear? There is the superhero show show where every week uh, Cassie takes Ryan and I through the journey that is every single live action TV show based on comic books. There is the OCD cool. where nobody makes Ryan and I compete. We're just allowed to be friends. Uh, and we go. Oh, that sounds boring. Nobody loves it. Uh, episode by episode <laughs> through the OC. Can we use that as a tagline? The <laughs> nobody, OCD. Nobody. nobody loves it. A lot of people nobody like loves it, it. But nobody yeah. loves it. But nobody loves it. Ryan, do you know about websites and the internet and such? I do. Uh, you guys want to do Parasite next week. I got a Parasite for you right now. One oh, is yourpopfilter.com. That's where uh, you can go to get all of our shows, all of our articles. That's where like we sort of hang out uh, without touching each other, yourpotfilter.com. Uh, yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon is where you go, make that your bookmark, and write them a little letter that says, fuck you, assholes. I will not be ordering anything from you because you're stupid. And you want people to die? Is that what we're saying? Yeah. yeah. We a- they actively want their employees to die is what we're saying. Ben, Mike, I- we're out of points time, right? So yeah. like, I can say things and like you know this is legit. Yeah. Yeah, you said that parasite thing for free. I couldn't believe yeah. it. Well, I should, uh, that one I should probably get a point for next week. But right now, with Greg's haircut, have we talked about his uh, Taika Waititi energy he's got going on right now? No, and that's crazy because like I don't know if you'd get points or give me points because you think you're trying too hard. But it's definitely got that Taika, like that that. That's the exa- that is the 
that is the exact haircut that I that I copied for this. Uh, also, go yeah, to sorry. Go ahead, Taika. <laughs> talk about your awesome hair. <laughs> no, no. You just you guys continue to do the show. I will now look at my <laughs> yeah, own just feet stare at your face and just sort of like touch my hair because it got a compliment and I feel Zoom should not let you look at your camera because all three of us so have been staring at our own. I hide mine right <laughs> away so I can actually pay attention to the show. <laughs> also, make sure you go to uh, patreon.com slash your pop filter. Mike talked about this before. Uh, pick a tier, and then you get to hear the entire show. And let's be honest, we do save the bad bits we're not that good on for the free show. You got to pay for Patreon in order to get the good stuff. Can I pimp? That's just how it is. Can I pimp two fun things? One is coming on Patreon. Yeah. One is coming. It, you might have heard it in this very feed, but you were confused. Uh, on Patreon, get ready for the panel panel where uh, he used to be friend of the show. I guess now he's just on a show. Is uh, Tompkins, <laughs> Tompkins, and I are going through comic books. Uh, the first scene is about Ex Machina, a comic you don't remember existing, or if you did, you I never remember read that movie, it. huh? Oscar Isaac. It's yeah, it's not based on that. It is based on the movie Oscar Isaac Alec, will the be Alex, making. The Alex Garland directed yes. Ex Machina. That, that yes. is, yes. that is that. the one. Uh, right. And then if you're like the way back came in 2020, why is that my why is that in my feed? Uh, we will be doing. There's so many movies that aren't coming out in theaters anymore. So we're going to be doing bonus shows for free in this feed. Uh, if you, if there was a movie you really wanted to see in theaters and you know, it's on streaming now, uh, hit us up, uh, like at contact at your pop to bring it back into a commercial and let us know what 2020 movie. If you want trolls world tour, baby, email us and let us know. We got to do that one. <laughs> we'll give you all that sweet trolls world tour content. Caitlin from the U twenties is tweeting about how much she liked trolls world tour. Uh-huh. That means she's mm-hmm. not on the show, right? Like we no. can't, we can't unleash her on that. I don't think that that's because she loves those McElroy boys. And so, you know, the adventure zone mm-hmm. and my brother, my brother and me, and the McElroy are those other will be in trolls too. That's their, are those other, other podcasters? podcasters? They are. Yeah. They're on one of your smaller podcasts. Don't like it. Like ours. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that is our show for this week. When we come back next week, we'll be doing Parasite. But until then, that's life. <laughs>